post-pandemic ecclesial meetings. The last 15 years has seen an increase in efforts within Ontario and some of the U.S. ecclesias in, to bring about unity between the amended and unamended ecclesias, as well as some of the various other fellowships, such as the Church of God of Abrahamic Faith. While this is a hot-button topic that is not the focus of this article, it is somewhat tangential in the sense that the recent pandemic has forced us to ask, what really are the essential parameters that govern our physical meetings, and how this applies in the world of our virtual meeting? This question seemed particularly relevant to me personally after having attended a Bible school in Guyana over the Easter holiday weekend for the first time in 18 years. Ever since the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, we have not met as an ecclesia for the memorial service in our home ecclesia in Ottawa, Ontario. During this time, we have met with members online, starting in Boston, but more frequently with members in Georgetown, Guyana, which is my hometown ecclesia. This online forum has allowed for many brothers and sisters to, who formerly were based in Guyana and now reside throughout the world to fellowship together on Sundays, meet for Bible class, classes on Wednesdays, attend brothers or sisters classes, mutual improvement classes, first principles, CYC, and even Thanksgiving events. For my family, who are normally part of a small meeting in Ottawa, it has been a pleasant surprise and an unexpected gift. During this time, there have been three baptisms in our Ottawa Ecclesia, but we are yet to be able to meet together regularly, but instead have been breaking bread as family bubbles, connected virtually while sharing this in the same spirit, the bread and wine as we pray, read, sing and exhort one another. For the first time in my life, geographical constraints seem to have become a non-factor in determining where and with whom we meet. In fact, the entire process seems heavily driven by our individual preferences of ecclesias we feel most comfortable with or wish to support in some other way. While this was and continues to be a huge blessing given the alternative of being somewhat isolated over the past 13 months, is it sustainable in the long run? Is it fulfilling? And does it meet the biblical definition of fellowship as a sharing, communion, or joint partnership? What are the pros and cons? Is our old concept of fellowship now a relic of the past? Has this unforeseen global catastrophe removed the relevance of ecclesial membership and, by extension, made the need for unity based on the wording of or statements of faith a moot point? What are the spiritual parameters for fellowship? Acts 2 verse 4 to 6 speaks of one of the early first century practices of breaking bread, which is a component of fellowship. The NLT, the New Living Translation, says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, 
met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The NIV puts it in this manner. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, was the temple simply a meeting point after which they went in a big group to have multiple breaking of bread services followed by a big potluck? Given that in the previous verses there were more than 3,000 members added, this would seem impractical, but would be possible if they were meeting up in the temple and after the meeting would disperse in groups to break bread as well as share their meals in a smaller setting, somewhat like our bubbles. This model has been used in many of our ecclesias, except that we were able to worship without fear, share in the emblems, and then have what has become known as hospitality afternoons of some sort, where groups go back to someone's home. I'm sure that we would agree that our meetings have been immensely enriched by these gatherings that have served to strengthen and deepen the bonds of love in Christ. I cannot think of a substitute for this in a virtual world beyond the somewhat weak attempt at meeting virtually and having breakout rooms on Zoom where or eating in front of a Zoom camera with other members. Without these less formal meetings, how do we deepen the genuine love and care for each other? And most importantly, strengthen each other as we are exhorted to do in Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 12 to 13, which says, Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the failing knees, and make straight paths for your feet, that that which is lame be not turned aside, but that rather it may be healed. How do we fulfill Galatians 6 verse 2, which demands that we bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is written in the context of the need to strengthen those in our ecclesias who are struggling against sin and its associated trials. It is not surprising that in Acts chapter 2, God caused it to be written that in addition to Acts chapter 2 verse 42, where it says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, the practical aspect of meeting together and caring for each other in a familial way was also given. Hebrews 10 verse 25 tells us not abandoning our own meetings, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and even more so because you see the day drawing near. Online meetings have been great for receiving teaching and lots of encouragement. Who can fault the newfound ability to Zoom to struggling ecclesias throughout the world? Who would fault the ability that many brethren in isolation, at work, in poor health, and even some of those who are traveling have been able to join in various meetings? I can attest to having seen some isolating bre isolated brethren 
that have regularly met with us that I had not seen in about 35 years. However, I don't find it comparable to meeting together and feeling the warmth of fellowship. Having enjoyed the former, I find meeting online a very poor, though currently necessary, substitute. I would like to make it clear that I do think it has been a huge blessing as the alternative in these times of isolation would have been a disaster. However, given that this blessing is here, how should it be incorporated into our fellowship in the days, months, and years ahead so that it remains a blessing and does not become a curse if our Lord tarries? So what are some of the dangers? Meeting online has allowed for a level of anonymity, which was not present before. I have found that some ecclesias have made a practice of putting on their cameras and chatting before and after the formal part of the meeting. I have also seen others where the cameras are seldom, seldom switched on or participants join via a streaming service such as YouTube. And in both cases, there is absolutely no interaction between those that are joined in this manner and the rest of the meeting. Participants attend and leave before one could know another, to borrow the expression from Ruth chapter 3 verse 14. There is no support given or received, no social contact, no help with accountability, etc. It is a form of worship that can seem appealing when we don't feel like seeing anyone or perhaps felt unwelcome. But is it a long-term way of serving God? No one can see what is in the heart of another, but we can and should judge ourselves. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The word communion has a connotation of intimacy and joint participation. Does it fulfill this requirement to share in the body of Christ when we are there at meeting, but not really there? How does this fit with Paul's exhortation in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 to 27? which mentions that there should be no schism in the body, but members should have the same care one for another. Would we be able in the long run to develop and grow a strong unity with our virtual ecclesia so that we rejoice with those who rejoice and share in the sufferings of those in pain? Another danger for me personally has been a sliding in my devotion of that time during meeting that focused solely in the past on the meeting. Without the need to physically be present with my brothers and sisters at a set time each week where the world was shut out, at home there are times that the daily routines have encroached on times that were usually devoted to being at the meeting. It may start with breakfast running a little late, and the opening prayer being missed as a result. 
perhaps something else coming along and the readings being put aside and eventually meeting gets reduced to being part of the excitation and then sharing in the emblems. Is this an offering we would willingly give to a meeting with our boss at work, let alone the God of heaven and earth? Yet another danger for me and some like myself who may be introverts is that this new option of meeting online without having to be out of our comfort zones is a very enticing option. Can this be a factor that might cause some to cling to an online manner of meeting rather than wanting to go back to in-person meetings? We may ask ourselves, is there a better way forward? I'm reminded of Christ's meeting with the Samaritan woman and how he responded to her concern that the patriarchs worshipped on the mountain there, while the Jews instead demanded that all worship in Jerusalem. Christ's response was as follows. It says in John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse 23 then continues, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth of this statement is still relevant today as we consider our changing platform and what our post-pandemic meetings may look like. It is irrefutable that having an online option will continue to be of huge benefit to many of our brethren across the world, and especially the aged and infirm. This suggests that it should be maintained as a regular option if possible. This is especially true since while there have been recorded excitations and Bible classes avail available online for a very long time, having a devoted time each week is more likely to result in us actually taking part of them and listening to these excitations or Bible studies. There is also the benefit of us serving and being served by each other. In fact, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 reminds us, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Isn't this one of our goals? So that we may see Christ in each other, and he may see a reflection of himself in us at his return? There is an old proverb that says, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. And this is relevant to many concerns that exist over whether an online platform may be abused and members may somewhat flagrantly opt for online meetings even when in-person meetings become available again. This is a real concern, but we cannot police those around us to conform to our preferences. We should continue to encourage as many as possible to make every effort to attend in person 
if it is safe and allowed by the local health authorities. We can exhort and encourage by pointing out the benefits of being there in person. However, it comes down to those who are coming to worship and their decision and their recognizing the need and a want to do so in a spirit of truth, as John again mentions in 1 John 4 and verse 6. If this transition back to meeting in person with those who cannot make it continuing to join online is done effectively, what a huge blessing it would be for Ecclesias in the months and years ahead until our Lord returns. For many who have felt like the blind and the lame who came to Jesus in the temple, meeting online feels like an opportunity to meet with Christ and enjoy fellowship that was missing for many years. Consider Christ's words in Matthew 21 verse 13 to 14 that would have felt welcoming to many who were shut out by the practices of the temple leaders. It says there, and he said unto them, it is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The blocking of the blind and lame was a misapplication of David's sarcastic comment in 2 Samuel chapter 5 at verse 8, where David had been told that even the blind and lame would be able to defend the city of Jebus, which later became Jerusalem. David referred to the defenders of the city against whom he had to fight as the hated blind and lame. And unfortunately, the Jews continued to prevent the blind and lame from entering the temple after this time. Jesus did the opposite, however, and brought the blind and lame and healed them there. Imagine what this platform can do to our blind and our lame brethren, many of whom felt that they could not, for whatever reason, face the prospect of being present in the ecclesia. Imagine the number of families with young children that can now attend Bible classes regularly, even on a school night, without worry over the commute or interruption of their school schedules. Imagine the support and encouragement for many ecclesias who have been struggling to figuratively walk. Imagine the Sunday school and CYC gatherings, not numbered in tens, but in a few thousand. Imagine sharing in the fellowship of getting to know, encourage, and be encouraged by many in far-off lands. Imagine the worldwide choir when technology allows for real-time mixing of our voices in praise to God on a virtual platform. The hybrid option of our meeting in person along with an online presence will certainly bring much benefit to our community. However, I would like to reiterate that while this option of meeting online can and should be used to strengthen our ecclesias, it would be a huge step back in our fellowship if 
it is made the standard way of meeting rather than the exception that accommodates those that are unable to meet otherwise. While not impossible to meet virtually and fulfill our calling in Christ, it can be a severe disadvantage to our walk that would need to be taken into account for many, like myself, who have grown used to this new way of worshipping together. The word of God through Haggai are very sobering. It says in Haggai chapter 1 verse 4 to 5, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house, that is the house of God, lie waste? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. We need to consider our ways and carefully decide how best we can build the house of God. Are we willing to place the goal of building his house at the forefront of our meeting together? We are at a critical juncture in our history with much opportunity, but also much danger. Unlike the Spanish flu pandemic nearly a century ago, technology has allowed each member to now have a digital option of where to meet based on personal preferences, based on beliefs, and even friendships. As a community, we can easily find our fellowship reduced or possibly exposed as a loosely affiliated, fractured group of believers if we don't prayerfully manage this post-pandemic transition in our history. This pandemic may have caught us by surprise, but maybe, just maybe, despite the many sad losses during this time, God may be using it to bring back some of our lost loved ones and enable us to have a more vibrant and prepared flock that is secure in his fold before his son's soon return. Thank you.